Welcome to My Mind with Stephen Taylor. Back again. Another week with some hard topics. Not really hard topics, just really what's on my mind lately. Because it's called My Mind. So it's basically just a self-indulgent project to, um, well, for people just to hear what I want to talk about. I'm sure there would be a way you could let me know either if it's not very good or it is good. I would preferably rather hear um, that I'm doing okay because I think this is the this is the sixth one I've done, and I th- I think I'm doing all right. I think it's been pretty good, and I would appreciate it if you could. Um, subscribe to it only if you want to no one's going to force you into doing something that you don't want to do but ah, look I'll just appreciate it I think the best way to get a podcast out there is word of mouth obviously social media is a good way as well and I haven't done any self-indulging promoting of it I think I'm only I haven't really told that many people that um, I have been doing this. Um, I haven't even told my brother. And that's um, not that my brother and I talk super, super regularly, but I do feel like we are close, close enough that I probably should tell him. <laughs> that would be, um, yeah, maybe I'll tell him. I'll tell him after I do this one. Uh, shout out to my brother. Hey, going? Been a while? Yeah? Cool. So... I've recently purchased some new things over the course of um, the last couple of months. And I was telling someone about one of the things I bought and it's like I was the foremost <laughs> authority on it. It's 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 awesome that... That's uh, awesome and worrying how you can know nothing about something and then when you go to like buy it or you're researching it you just become like the foremost knowledge and expert on the thing you're trying to buy and it's almost like you you become the salesman trying to sell it to that person but you're also trying to sell it to yourself when i was uh buying a new phone um i did a lot of research on the nokia phone this isn't a phone review i'll just tell you that um I looked at the specs and then I was telling my wife about it and she, or maybe I was telling one of my friends. I'll say, anyway, I was telling someone and it was like, I was selling them the phone. It was like, you know, Snapdragon processor runs on Android Pi 10. It's got a 6.8 megapixel camera. I don't know if that's the camera. I can't really remember because I've got a new phone recently Um, because that one, that I should have tried to sell people actually conked out. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, got the Google Pixel 4. And at the time I was buying it, I was the foremost expert on it because I was trying to convince myself and my wife of um, this purchase, this big purchase of a phone. Because nowadays I kind of buy phones uh, outright. I don't really like to um, owe on a plan. I feel like when you buy a phone outright, that it's just 
you can just have a bit more liberty, really. You don't have to, if you want a phone in a year, you can just change. You can just get a new phone. You don't have to stay with that phone um, for two or three years or whatever your contract says, you know, because technology, as we know in today's world, just changes so quickly. Like my phone is um, came out maybe last year and it could easily be obsolete in six months. Easily. You know, there's a reason they bring out an iPhone close to every year, every year, every second year, or even the Samsungs, because the to- the technology just gets better and better. It gets better and better in increments. It's like um, it's like an EA game, <laughs> you know, like they bring out one every year and it's they slowly get better and better, but they slowly stay the same. So I feel like that's where technology and phones are going until we make like the big next step into um, a pure, purely wireless and um, a pure wireless experience um, with phones, you know, zero charging, zero headphones and all that kind of stuff. So there's no wires attached to it. It basically does everything for you. My Google phone, uh, you know, it could plan my life for the next 20 years. You know, it's great. It's great. It's like having a personal assistant and people who can't afford personal assistants like myself, um, I really value phone so shout out google for allowing me to purchase your phone at a full retail price and um some the other thing i bought a tv and i was explaining to someone what the quantum uh the quantum pixel dot thing is and it was it was i was trying to convince them to buy this tv that I was already going to purchase. I already knew I wanted this TV, but I wanted to make sure that everybody knew every detail about the TV that I had researched about because I'm an expert at it now, you know, and then you, you, you talk about the, you know, the technology of like what you're going to purchase or, you know, the boxing gloves or whatever, or whatever it is. And you could, you could almost see yourself going, yeah, I could sell that. Yeah. This could be my new career. I could just sell, I could go to Officeworks and start selling stuff if I just read the brochure for like two or, two or three weeks. That's how confident you are in like your ability to read, <laughs> to read and maintain knowledge about said items. Obviously, you know you gotta, um, you probably gotta read into a little bit more and follow the kind of tech news. But I feel like you could you could scrape by. You could scrape by by just. Um, by just reading catalogs. I dare say if you wrote if you read a couple of catalogs, you could almost sell TVs for your lifetime. For the rest of your life. For sure. I'm not gonna try that because I like hospitality too much. It's um it's too much fun. Hospitality is just too much fun at the moment. It's um, you know, there's peaks and valleys, but for the most part, it's it's really good. I'm really quite happy with it. I've got um, I've got a small story to tell you about one of my friends in hospitality, and he's listened to every every episode, and I just want to thank you. I mean, I'll probably give you a bell later on, but I'll thank you anyway, mate, because you know it's it's. 
just good support, you know, and it really, really gets me in the feels, you know. So shout out, Big Sim. You know who you are. You listen to the show every week. It's what we like to hear. It's what we like to see. People coming around, watching the show. You're not watching it. You're just listening to me. I don't know what you're doing, man. I don't know where we are. What are you doing? No, I'm not that worried. I know you're doing it right, mate. Um, but I'll tell you a funny story about him. We were, he was um, working on the line. We had a new kitchen hand start at one of the jobs we worked at together. And this, you know, this chick was um, super optimistic um, about a job and like trying to be friendly or whatever. And generally when people are in service, especially chefs, um, it's generally not okay to kind of have a conversation with them while they're trying to com- like, while they're trying to cook. And, you know, when they're under the pump, they generally don't want to have like a small conversation, like unless it's about work or something work related, you're generally going to either get a narky response or no response. Right. So this girl comes up to him and she says to him, she says, uh, just introduced herself. She's like, hi, I'm Crystal with a K. And he turns around, looks dead in the eyes and says, hi, I'm Simon with an S. <laughs> you know, under the pump. And that story is probably only funny for like hospitality people. But it's just, it was, when I heard that story, I thought that is, that sums up Simon to a T, you know, happy to take the piss and have a laugh and just have a joke around a, you know, serious guy. But it's just one of those moments where it's just like, mate, that is awesome. I wish I thought of that comeback when she introduced me. Unfortunately, I just said, hi, I'm Stefan. Um, nice to meet you. But yeah, what a guy. What a guy. Honestly, I could talk hours about him, but I don't think you'll want me to. But um, yeah, so I spoke about earlier about how excited I am for the new Avengers game. And I am still excited. I've played it and it's great. It's great for fanboys. I wouldn't say this is like the greatest game that will ever come out. And it's definitely not going to change the way I play games. There's a lot of things in the game that I would change. But for the most part, it's very enjoyable. It's a game built for people that like the characters and like Marvel stories. It's definitely not built for people that are looking for this crazy in-depth heart-wrenching story. That's going to like change their way. It's not like, it's not a last of us game. You know, it's not like how the last of us kind of changed single player narratives. And it's not like how, um, even God of War changed like action-based games. Like it's got none of those qualities. There's a grind in it. There's, you know, the destiny aspect where there's raids and um, all that monotonous stuff where you go and collect three things and you go back and then the next person has the, the same mission, but it's a, three things that are called something else that you have to go collect. So there's still monotonous jobs, but I've waited so long to be Iron Man in a video game that I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if I stop playing in six months. Right now, I really like it and my son really likes it and we're very, very happy. But it feels like I'm just playing the Avengers 
It feels like I'm playing The Division. If you haven't played The Division, that was a game renowned for the grind. That officially made... There's like a lot of games where you were grinding and you were trying to stack XP to like get better things and you would have one gun for so long, but then you just kept up trading and up trading guns and that kind of stuff. And the division defined a grinding game. Like, I feel like that was the first game that I played where I wanted to grind out and get the hard levels and do the same missions (laughs) over and over again to like get better stuff and also it was all preemptive so you could go to what they call the dark zone which was like player versus player and that's where all the good stuff was so you did everything you could outside of the dark zone to go into the dark zone super prepared to take it down and that's what the avengers game is that's what it feels like that's how it plays like it plays like you have to do everything you can in the campaign to make when you branch out and do the multiplayer aspect you've got a head start And I think because it's not PvP, all the stuff you do carries over. So the same way the Division did, where you would have all of these, um, whatever you earn in the campaign, you could take straight to multiplayer, which is awesome. A lot of games don't do that. You know, it's just like multiplayer is separate to single player. And I haven't played the multiplayer yet, but I'm really hoping that the multiplayer is similar to the story well it'll be missions within the story but you do them at different difficulties but you still have the same stuff like you still have you're the same level character you don't have to start the characters again because then that just creates an unnecessary grind unnecessary grind and you'll want a game that can that you can grind out but you can do it solo as well as playing multiplayer that's like the perfect game when you've nailed that formula You've done it really, really well because they've, I feel like they've done it because it's, it'd be complex to create a game with six characters, in-depth skills that you can all play as. So you can choose a character and just, this is what I imagine. You can choose to have a character and have him or her um, just to use that one character. But (laughs) I'm going to grind out every character, I think. I think I want to try and get every character to at least 90% all their skills done so I can play it as any character. I think I'm going to be a bit more... There's going to be a lot of favoritism towards Iron Man (laughs) a lot. I can already see myself doing it now. I'm just playing as Iron Man a lot rather than um, the other characters. Because he's just so cool. I mean, who doesn't want to be Iron Man? Really? Like, I would be Iron Man all the time if I could. If there was a standalone Iron Man game, which there is, which wasn't very good. I didn't really like it. But, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a great game. I'm not saying go out and buy it. Well, maybe I am, you know. Go out and buy it and see what you think of it. But I think right now, it's a really good game. In six months, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Unless they bring out some really cool DLC and kind of involve the cinematic universe, then they'll probably hit a lot more of the casual um, Marvel fan base. 
rather than trying to hit it with the the hardcore full time um, Marvel fans. Like I like to think of myself as one. Um, yeah, oh, it's a great game. Yeah, I was really happy. I'm just I'm happy that I am happy with the game, and I'm happy that I'm not regretting buying it because I don't buy a lot of games digitally. But this was one game I did want digitally because I want to be able to play it. I want to play it all the time. Like, it's such a good... Yeah, it's got to be such a good game. When I finish it, I hope it's like a good Marvel comic book story. And the good thing about it is that... Well, the Marvel universe as a whole is that there's so many callbacks. There's so many, like... I think I've spoken about it before. Is that um, all, there's not there's not many writers in the whole Marvel writing block, I don't know what you call them, but they they all acknowledge each other. And I think that's such a humbling thing. There's no one saying that, well, this is only from what I know, but there's no one saying that he didn't write that story right, so we're just going to discredit it and never talk about it again. You know, there's always that callback to remember when... In issue 37, you know, we did that story and it was a different writer, you know, like there's always a callback and there's always um, the involvement. It's like this ongoing circle and a thing that they do well in the Marvel um, universe is that they just acknowledge each other. They acknowledge that they all exist because that's big picture stuff. The way like the movies, how they all intertwine and they all relate is the same way is if you're reading a comic book. Excuse me. They all relate to each other. If there's like a story going on, then a single comic book series that's not a part of that story is affected by those circumstances. Like in 2005, maybe six, there was this thing called Marvel Civil War where it pitted... Iron Man against Captain America. And it was the greatest comic book. Um, <laughs> um, event ever. I remember reading that and thinking, holy. Oh, I won't, I won't swear, but I was thinking this is the greatest single greatest movement ever ever in like a comic book there's always like um the kind of days of future past references in like x-men and um some of the stuff like when avengers beat ultron and like the world was affected through ultron and infinity war and stuff like that but the civil war affected that and it changed the whole marvel um comic book universe you know, for better or worse, like a lot of characters um, got better in that during that time, or even characters died in that time and were not brought back. You know, like it was the perfect thing. It's like watching The Sopranos whenever, like, whenever you needed a story or like a plot line, like someone would just snitch in The Sopranos. It, 
obviously it was well written and it was awesome and like i still really like the i love the show i won't say i really like it i love the show but it was great um but you could see when it was a struggle for a story because they would make someone a snitch or they would just kill someone and that was like the story that they would have that episode and then you know it would affect and trickle down and that kind of stuff but um um yeah it's just it's the greatest thing when you can create an event that big that it affects all the comic book characters and it'll affect the way writers write those characters for the next 10 years. That's awesome. That is awesome. I was reading Cable and Deadpool at the time. Um, it kind of came out and there was like a tie-in. There was a, there was a, De- a Cable and Deadpool Civil War tie-in, you know, where it followed Cable helping spoilers. Cable helping Captain America and Deadpool trying to strike out on his own and be the good guy, thinking that he's a good guy, doing bad things as a good guy. Like, it is honestly the best um, event that Marvel ever pulled off. And then from then on, when I seen the first Iron Man film, I was like, I can't wait for Civil War. I can't wait to see how they portray Civil War on film. And they did all right. They did pretty well. I mean, I would have liked more um, uh, more play on like the X-Men kind of fiascos, but I don't think the X-Men movies, I don't think it would have had the same mainstream success if you try to tie in like the actual story from um, the actual story from the comic books, like it just doesn't translate to screen really well. If you are, if you're not a comic book fan and you haven't read and you hadn't read um, Civil War and you don't know much about it, you're just more or less seeing it. I think it plays out pretty well. Yeah, considering. Yeah, I think. And there's there's like the X Men story where Wolverine goes and hunts down the guy, like that, like causes um, that explosion. Because in the comic books, it's um the i think it's the new mutants or hmm or the or the yeah i think it's in the new mutants or something like that and they they go to try and stop a renegade pack of mutants and oh what's his name it's like he's, he's like radioactive man or something like that i can't remember but um he blows up near a school and then that's where it's like public outcry and you know the mums from school you know similar to the movie go to tony stark and like try and they pass the bill and all that kind of stuff and you know it plays out the same as the movie but the event that happens is different Mm. it's like you know adapting a comic book to a screen so it's relatable to the people rather than relatable to the source material Sometimes it's a good thing, especially when you're trying to make someone understand when you're trying to play both worlds, when you're trying to keep hardcore fans happy and casuals fan, casual fans, because you'll, you'll always find there's a lot more casual fans than there are um, hardcore fans. Like you got to make more money in your film or your music or whatever. It's going to be way more successful if you can rope along 
casuals and have hardcore fans and they all coincide and then becomes the arguments and disagreements and the, the yes, no's and the maybes. And, um, but the, yeah, the point is that Marvel pulled it off. I'm a Marvel guy. You could say I'm a company guy. I don't even work for Marvel, but you know, I would, I would in a heartbeat. If there was something Marvel orientated that I could do and Marvel would pay me to do it, I would do it for sure. hundred percent. I love Marvel to the core. Um, they just did it so well. And a lot of people now are thinking that Marvel's like run its course. Everyone's over it. But, you know, these comics have been around since when did Stan Lee start? Like 60 something? 1960? Something like that. The comic books have lasted that long. And there's been adaptions from those comic books into movies before. Marvel Studios opened its doors, you know? So it's all, that's always going to be a source material for people to, to look at and read and make movies out of it, whether they're a part of the Marvel universe or they're not like, you're still going to have these independent and creative characters that someone can adapt and turn into a, um, cinematic phenomenon, you know, so there's always going to be that material. So I don't think that yeah, I don't think you can say that Marvel's like run its course. And it's, oh, I think it's like the argument of like, it's DC's time now. No, I don't think so. Because I think all DC films are the same. I will say, I will say this. I'll go on record and say, I do enjoy Batman. I've read um, a couple Birds of Prey comic books and... I read Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Really enjoyed that. I've um, watched a couple. I've watched all the Batman movies. Michael Keating is my Batman. That's my favorite Batman. Uh, um, um, and yeah, I do enjoy Batman. I don't mind Batman stories. My son and I watched Teen Titans Go, and I used to watch Teen Titans before it was to go uh, years and years ago. So I do enjoy some DC things. I'm not going to say I hate DC because I do like some, I'm a hypocrite if I say that, like I do like DC and I like some of the stuff they do, but in their cinematic world, it's, it feels like it's the same. Like, it feels like it's the same formula and they're just putting new characters in it, but it's the same. And all these characters are, they all have the same goal. Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't gel with me. Like their cinematic universe. Like it's so far fetched in my mind, maybe because I've read just so much, um, Marvel content and yeah, Marvel use, like they make up countries like Wakanda or, um, uh, there's like a, Eastern European country they made up as well. Um, and the dark side of the moon, apparently you can live on the dark side of the moon. That's where the inhumans live. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, it's just real. It's real places, you know, like Spider-Man lives in New York City. Deadpool lives in New York City. Um, the Avengers uh, Tower is in New York City, you know, like there's... 
Pac-Man in Canada Alpha Team. They're like a, a Canadian Avengers. <laughs> There's Captain Britain in Britain, you know, like, yeah. So, yeah, and then, you know, they, they make up places like Gotham and Metropolis and Central City and Jump City and all that stuff. Like, it's, um, like, why... Why couldn't they just use a real place? Why did it have to be this far-fetched place that... Was it because they're just trying to create this weird, like, universe where everything's really simple but really complex and really dark and brooding but also light and fluffy? I don't know. It feels like there's too many... There's, like, so much realism that it's not real anymore. It's like an overload of of realism that they just can't they they can't get pa- they just can't get past how serious they take themselves. I think that's it. But anyway, that's that's all I'll say about that. Um, yeah, if you haven't read the Marvel um, Civil War, even as a casual, it's like it's still a good read. Like it's still cool. There's some pretty heartfelt moments in it, which are pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, they just got it right. Marvel. Props to you. Shout out, Marvel. Legends. Absolute legends. I shout out a lot of people because I just feel like you should credit the people that you talk about, especially if you talk about it in a positive or a negative manner. Shout out, DC. Good on you, mate. You know, giving it a crack, eh? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that love... DC content. I personally am just not a bigger fan. I'm a casual DC fan, but I've also got a little bit of knowledge of their kind of source material. Because, you know, it's best to be, you know, sure, you know, if you if you want to have an argument about Marvel versus DC, then you need to have the facts on both sides. I'd rather have the facts on both sides than just have a one-sided argument with essentially myself (laughs) you know you can you know talk all day about how batman can beat up iron man and iron man can beat up superman or whatever but it's you know you know there's been a lot of fan content that does that kind of stuff but i don't I, i think you can't deny one of them without acknowledging the other one and you can't acknowledge it without accepting the other one you know it's a cycle you can't say that marvel's just independent thought and there was no one that ripped off anything from dc and dc can't say they haven't ripped stuff or the formula that marvel has to try and better their comics and vice versa i don't think that well i do think that but i don't think that's what's happened but yeah you know it's a waste of time talking about it, really. Who cares? They both make great content. I just personally prefer Marvel, and I'll spend my money and spend my time reading Marvel and enjoying Marvel stuff. You know, that's just what I'm about. Which is, um, you know, kind of brings me to my next point. Is um, well, I kind of have a bit of a. I had a bit of a rant last time on the popular golf theory and I've watched the news a little bit. I consecutively try and watch the news um, every day with my coffee. I I would like to read paper, but 
I think it would just be a waste of paper. You know, they get to a point of where I would stop reading it because it would just be a chore because I don't really have a um a table. Well, I do, but I don't want to sit out and read a newspaper when I can just watch it on the TV, which, you know, as I said before, I have a new TV, which is really great. So the picture is nice and clear. So, you know, it creates, it makes the news better when you have a clearer TV. It's amazing what you neglect yourself when, you, when you're younger that you'll appreciate when you're older. Like in my early 20s and in my teens, I didn't care. I didn't care about what bed or pillow I had blanket chairs whatever but now i love it i've got a i've got a comfortable mattress i've got one of those memory foam pillows i've got like um i've got bamboo socks the next step's bamboo underwear and i don't know why i've got a nice tv i don't know why i neglected myself and my comfort for so long i mean why would I choose to put my comfort on a on on the back burner? Well, what am I thinking? Like, wouldn't you want to be comfortable your whole life? Like, yeah, I mean, obviously there was times where I couldn't afford it, but you know, I could afford socks. I mean, I've bought socks. Why wouldn't I just pay an extra three dollars and get some bamboo socks that keep my feet warm and keep the water out? and are comfortable you know so there you go invest in yourself that is the best thing that would be the advice i would give myself 15 years ago is invest in yourself because it's you and your body that'll take you further no one else will that's like the the best advice i would give to myself is put more time into you where it mattered. You know, get up, do those sit-ups, do those push-ups, you know, go for that run, join that sports team, you know, like there's not too much that I regret, but I think one of them is putting my comfort and my exercise routine on the back burner for the last... No, maybe eight years. I'm not like a really, really heavy set dude, but now my metabolism is starting to slow down. I'm starting to slow down. So the, the weight's creeping back on. I'm trying to be preemptive now and try and get it back off again, which I am doing. Like, you know, I'm starting to lose the, the beer gut a little bit, but, you know, you just can't. I, I, for me, I can't say no to beer. Beer is just too nice. It looks too good. doesn't matter what beer, 4X Gold, 4X, 4X Gold or 4X, 4X, VB, 2Es, Carlton Draft, whatever. Shout out all those because you make lovely beer. So I'm just trying to drink whiskey now. <laughs> and that's a slippery stove. I mean, if I have two more whiskeys a night on the top of what I have, it can become expensive and addictive. Yeah, uh, you know, because I generally drink, I don't drink a lot of whiskey, but I do enjoy whiskey. So when I have one, I can generally drink it with no, um, no ice or no chaser. I generally just have it by itself. Room temperature, um, 
not cold, not chilled or whatever. You know, I don't use whiskey stones, whiskey cubes, the pointless gift, whiskey stones. Anybody listening to this that is related to me, I enjoy whiskey. Please do not buy me whiskey stones. And if my brother hears this, he would definitely get me whiskey stones, I would say now, just to annoy me. But um, yeah, so that was a tangent. But I, I just want to talk about the hip-hop and how hip-hop has changed in the most positive way. Because now there is so much diversity within hip-hop that anyone can do it. And anyone is doing it. And it's awesome. You know, there's so much content for hip-hop now than in the 2000s. Like, obviously, there was Eminem in the 2000s. And that's it. All the rest was African-American dominated. Which is awesome, because that's like their thing. You know, not their thing. They shouldn't typecast it to... A race or a demographic, but they definitely did um, do that style of music more than other um, races, which isn't racist. That's factual, right? Now there's a lot more diversity, and everyone does hip hop, everyone raps, everyone does like their cool little take on it, which is so good. It is so cool that music can be broad enough. And that's the power of music, really, to be broad enough that anyone or any person can play it and there's it's not discriminatory. Music is not discriminatory and it doesn't judge you on who you are or what you are as a person. It just, it's fulfillment, you know? Like when you play music or you sing or you you bop around on the dance floor to like a good tune, you know, it's fulfillment in itself. It's loving the music, you know, like, yeah, you, music's just too powerful to, to transcend to race and hate, you know, that's the, the power of music, but it's so good to see how rap music has evolved. Cause I like hip hop. I like West coast hip hop. <laughs> I like New York stuff. I like East coast stuff. I love, I love like stuff in the South. I love like Australian hip hop, but, my heart is like West Coast hip hop. So, you know, Dr. Dre's and the Ice Cube, Ice Cube, shout out Ice Cube. He is like my favorite hip hop artist for sure. I actually really like Grime as well. I really like Skepta, Skepta and Stormzy and um, Jamie, like they're uh, Dizzy Rascals. Like they are insane lyricists and it's a different style of hip hop. It's still awesome hip hop. Um, but Ice Cube is just the man, isn't he? Like, he's just, he's like the definition of West Coast rap, in my opinion. He is like, uh, he did that song, um, he did an album that was, you know, basically saying, I am West Coast. And then he had that song, um, I Rep the West, and it's just about how West Coast he is. And he is, man. And he's like deserved the right. He's got the right to say that he is um, not arrogant, but he's got the right to to rep that, man. Because, you know, he's been, you know, West Coast rap his whole life. And, you know, he's wrote for the best. He's sang with the best. He's rapped with the best. He's done the best beats. He's done like everything you can imagine 
I imagine like his goal when he was younger far like and what he is now far exceeded his exceeded his expectation of how big he was going to be and how like influential he was going to be for sure for sure there's like if I started if I did this and then in five years I was having a conversation with Joe Rogan about this that would far exceed my expectation of what I thought I would be doing with this um with what I'm doing here you know that would be the craziest thing be wild (laughs) and and you can't say no to those opportunities you know not saying that Joe Rogan's gonna listen to this rinky dink you know six episode podcast and think oh he's got some good points I'm gonna I'm gonna look him up and give him a follow on Instagram and see what he's up to. I'm going to leave him a five-star review. If you do, that'd be sweet, you know, but that's not going to happen. Let's be real. Um, but you can dream, you know, it's, there's nothing, um, there's nothing against dreams. It's another thing that doesn't discriminate. It's dreams. Unless it's dreams about something discriminative, then that's not very nice, but yeah, ice cube, just the man. And now like people say, well, I, I used to say that nineties and early two thousands hip hop, that's the best hip hop. You know, the new stuff that's coming out now is like, Oh, it's too weird. It's too auto tune. It's like not the same message, but it is, it's just, it's the same message with different problems, you know, like it's a different generation of people singing, like singing the same stuff, but different problems, you know, like this, that, you know, a guy's problem now is like, as an example, is battling with mental health, depression, um, you know, whether he's um, homosexual or, or straight, you know, it's a battle of struggle and, um, his, you know, history repeating itself. We're in the nineties. It was the same. It was about like struggle. It was about how everyone said I wouldn't make it, but I made it. And now I'm, you know, I'm doing what I want to do and I'm where I want to be. You know, it's the same. They're just, they're expressing their, their pain, problems, and happiness through uh, lyricism, you know, and that's a powerful thing. That's such a great thing. And I, I, I used to say that, you know, like I said, you know, that 90s and early 2000s hip hop is so much better, but now listening to more, and I thank um, my wife's brother for this, is showing me whether it's good hip hop or bad hip hop, but like, I've been slowly trying to listen to more and more and understand more or less understand it. So then I can have the facts on both sides. Cause obviously I've listened to a lot of nineties and early two thousands hip hop. And I listen to like a lot of newer stuff now from older guys from like that, that older generation. Then I listen to like the new generation and they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. That Tyler, the creator, he's like, he's really cool. You know, he's, 
he's got some heavy flow. He's cool. I like Chance. Chance the Rapper's cool. He's um, super relatable as well, you know, like just just a cool guy. He seems like a cool guy. I think if I went up to Chance the Rapper, said hello, he would say hello back. <laughs> That's what you want from a celebrity, you know. You want someone that is humble enough to acknowledge that they are famous, but they're still a person and they're still normal and you can have a normal conversation with them. Not that I've had an, a heap of conversations with celebrities, but <laughs> um, obviously you only ever hear about the horror stories. You know, it's like in, in um, hospitality, the um, a friend will tell them, um, someone will give a bad review and people will read the bad review a hundred times. And then they'll tell, if you have a bad experience somewhere, they'll tell someone or their friends, you know, they'll repeat a bad story rather than a good story. When you're satisfied and it's a good story, then you're, um, yeah, you talk about it less really. If you, if you've had a good experience somewhere, whether it be uh, buying a car, buying a phone, having a meal or whatever, you talk about that less, you know, because it was just, it's the expectation of that's what the service is. So why do I need to go on about it and say what more it was? What's extra, you know, what's the extra thing that I got or received or liked about it? But when it's bad, it's all bad. (laughs) And in hospitality, uh, any press, um, good or bad, is exposure. But bad pr- press really, really sucks. It's like any press is good press, but not in hospitality. Um, generally, no press is better than <laughs> any press. You know, if a, if a customer says nothing, it's better than them actually saying what they what they think. Obviously, you want people to be open and honest about the food and the food they received and excuse me, and if it was nice and if they enjoyed it and that kind of thing, but it's not going to happen all the time. People are just going to go on there on the Twitter war zone and, um, you know, slam a place or whatever, leave a bad review on uh, any of the reviews, which, um, you know, damaging either way. I hope I don't get a bad review. I don't think professionally... I've had, no, that's wrong to say. Of course I've had bad reviews. I've either not read them or I've just taken them and accepted them and learned from them. Because that's, you know, that's the best thing about a mistake is you can learn from a mistake. You know, it's not like a failure. No, a failure is much more like a mistake really, isn't it? It's just a, um, you know. Anyway, um, Going back on um, just rap music. It's great. I love it now. I love new age rap music. I can listen to more new age stuff than I can old stuff now, which I didn't think would happen because there's so much old stuff that you can never truly listen to every single old song, you know. If you can, you know, props to you, but I just don't think you could. No way. No way. That's like hours and hours and days and weeks and months of content 
that you would have to listen to. You would have to be not talking to anybody, but only listening to. If you could listen, so what's what's a song? Four minutes and only 24 hours in a day and you got to sleep, you got to eat and you're going to have to talk to your, your wife and your son at some time. You can't just have the headphones in constantly listen to music. That would be wrong. That would be neglectful. But you can have dreams. <laughs> you can have dreams. Mm. Yeah, it's good to have dreams. But um, I uh, I collect DVDs. I don't collect Blu-rays. I collect DVDs because I I have over three hundred DVDs. I reckon, and it's too late to rebuy them on Blu-ray. And the technology is almost obsolete, so I can't really get anything for them, even though I have a lot of, like, limited edition stuff and um, Region 1 stuff, stuff from other regions that I had to order in so I can watch it and enjoy. And I generally have, like, a lot of, like, hidden gems in there and, like, movies that I've forgotten about. And I stumbled across one maybe a month ago and watched it, and it's called Way of the Gun. Now, this film is great. I don't know if I spoke about it before. Maybe I mentioned it, how cool the movie is. But it it's a movie about two kidnappers that... No, they're not even kidnappers. They're just two criminals, and they just want heaps of money, so they kidnap a surrogate. And Spoiler alert. And they... Um, they try and just milk this dude for like heaps and heaps of money. And I remember watching it years and years ago. I caught it late on TV and was like, that's an awesome movie. And then I seen it on DVD and I was like, that is the, this is the greatest. I'm going to watch this. And I love this movie. It's so good. And it's a movie where it's, it's like before being um, like the whole John Wick tacticalness was like cool it's like a movie that is like super tactical like um their movements the way they hold their guns the the way they fire the guns the way they're moving with the guns the way they're like covering each position and they're telling this that there's like one bit where they're in a standoff and um you know he's like pointing the gun at one person then he's saying cover and then the other guy runs and then covers him and then covers him and then covers him. And then, it, oh, it's just cool, you know. And Ryan Philippi and Benicio Del Toro. If the movie didn't end the way it is, I want a number two. <laughs> I would love a sequel of that absolute banger of a film. That is, like, one of the coolest films. It is so cool. And, like... Um, they've got they've got aliases. It's not their real name, but like Ryan uh, Philippi kind of narrates it, and oh, he does like the intro and the outro and that. And he's like, "You can call me, um, you can call my friend Mister Longbar, and you can call me Mister Parker, which is like um, the Butch and Sundance. That's their last names, you know. So it's like a cool throwback to them." And James Kahn's in it as well. He's always good in everything. And um, Juliette Lewis, man, she is a great actress, Juliette Lewis. She's probably, she's up there for sure for me, top 10 women actors, actresses. 
she's just awesome. She's just good in every role, eh? You know, and she like she's got like a rock band, Juliet and the Licks. They make great music as well. They make cool indie rock, blues, weird stuff. That's just it's killer, you know. If, if there was like one artist that is also has a movie career has a movie career first and then did music. I don't know if Julia Lewis did one or either first. Um, she was pretty young when she started acting, I'm pretty sure. So maybe she was an actor first, but um, I can only tell you two, really. Like I would listen to, I can listen to Juliet and the Licks all the time, eh? Like there's, I've got like heaps of songs on my Spotify that just come up from like Juliet and the Licks. Shout out Juliet Lewis. You're a killer. Love your work. Um, that come on and it's just good. It's just like great music. And then the other one I would listen to is uh, Robert Downey Jr. Because I've got a soft spot for him. Because I fell in love. Because Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is like in my top three best moves of all time. And he did this song... Um, um, what becomes of a broken heart at the end of that movie. And I had no idea that it was Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> for years until I watched it back and actually waited for the credits. And I downloaded his whole album um, that had the song on it. And it was a bad, you know. Obviously that song was the one that really stood out, but yeah, RDJ, you're killing it, mate. Yeah. And I love Iron Man. Iron Man. Iron Man 1 set the pace for all Marvel movies and is considered... I don't know if it's considered. In my book, it's considered the best, like, superhero movie. And it's got a lot to do with John Favreau, I think. Like, John Favreau really drove that movie to be as successful as it was, like... And John Favreau's got like a cool directing style where he can direct and act. And <laughs> I don't know, it's like this weird thing where he's like kind of um, director acting while he's acting, you know, like it feels like he's not like giving away clues to John Favreau's acting, but you can, I don't know, he just always looks in control, whether he's acting or directing you know and it's cool that he kind of stepped back in um directing them uh he didn't direct number three and he was still in number three while he was unconscious for three quarters of it but still um and in the spider-man movies he's in the spider-man movies and uh he's yeah he just does so well i love john favreau and he was so good in the sopranos that was like that was like that cool <laughs> brush with like fame, you know, like he did. Um, yeah. He just played himself a scared, intimidated version of himself. I dare say he's maybe not like that, but he just played such a real version uh, of himself when he, um, in the Sopranos, which is just so cool. So humbling, you know, but, um, yeah, so that's if you haven't seen Way of the Gun, you should go watch it because it was before John Wick was cool and it's, you know, a really cool movie. It's got a cool narrative. It's a little bit predictable, but it's still cinematically um, 
sorry, not cinematically, but the cinematography is really cool. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of real gun noises, which, you know, you can argue don't sound like guns, but they are, that's what guns sound like. Sometimes guns don't have like this really bassy sound, like guns just sound like cap guns sometimes, you know? Anyway, um, go check it out. It's a great movie. Um, and also Ryan Phillippe does like a shout out on that shooter series that he's in. He like references, um, the sniper's way of life is the way of the gun, which is like a call. I hope, I hope it's a callback to that, like to that movie where he was, you know, um, what's the main character. In. Um, but that's about it. I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, I don't know. Am I at the point right now where I need to tell people to subscribe on Spotify and leave reviews on Anchor, which I'm making it on? Or like, am I at that point yet? Like, I don't know. That's a hard one. That's a hard one for me because like, just don't understand do obviously want more people to listen to it because that'd be great you know you always want people to hear your opinion on things whether they agree disagree or like it or not you know content's content really but hey look i'm just happy to keep doing it and i'm happy that anchor is a anchor is a um a platform which i can do it and yeah really happy Hey, why don't you, you know, go and subscribe and like that on all, um, I'm think it's on most platforms of like where you can listen to like podcasts and stuff. I don't know if it's on the Google store. Hmm. And I don't think it's on iTunes. It's definitely on Spotify because, you know, you get a bit self-indulgent and egotistic when you look yourself up on Spotify. That's a weird thing to do. I never thought that would happen, but you know, it's cool either way. Anyway, that's it. See you later.